Well, hello. I'm Mark um, Packard. Hello, I'm Andrea. <laughs> well, you know I love it. You're already right in with the ethos of this entire thing, which is anything goes. We're wildly <laughs> unprofessional. Uh, no, your eyes and your ears do not deceive you. Casey Howe is not here today. Instead, I have the great good fortune of speaking with Andrea Van Landingham about her upcoming book, November out November 1st, Hollywood Horrors, Murder, Scandal, and Cover-Ups in Tinseltown, which is, uh, as listeners of this podcast know, a subject that is near and dear to my own uh, cold black heart. Same. I, I <laughs> Thank am you. So, I'm so excited about the publication of the book. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm beyond excited. I mean, it's I feel soon. Like, like, who did you... Who did you trick into publishing this <laughs> esoteric collection of Hollywood scandals? I'm so delighted that you've pulled this off. Thank you. I am too. I mean, it still doesn't feel real, but hey, here we are. So and exciting. it's a gorgeous cover. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I know. They did such a great job with it. I mean, if I had designed it myself, that would have been exactly what I would have chosen. I mean, when it first came across my desk and I was like, oh, Hollywood horrors. Who is ripping me off? Who is stealing my thunder? And then I saw the cover and I was like, it's Johnny Stumpinot. It's the Lana Turner, Cheryl Crane story right there at mm -hmm. the top. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I'm in good hands with this one. Yes. Yes. We had to have Jerry Giesler on that front cover. Mm -hmm. He's in so many of the stories. Also, I'm so delighted you pronounced his name correctly. Yes. Oh, I know. I mean, it's, it's tricky, right? <laughs> I hear a lot of Geisler. I, so throughout this podcast, I've been saying Jerry Geisler, and then I just got oh. his memoir. Uh, oh my gosh, which is insane! By the way, hard to I'm find too. Oh, oh Queen's gosh. Library, baby! Hey. <laughs> and the okay. first sentence is to get it out of the way. It's pronounced Geisler to rhyme with geese. I love that. Yes, I learned that also from another book that used the same same exact thing. Geese. Thanks, geese. <laughs> So, thanks, Jerry. You really did a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he did a lot. That's for that's for sure. He did a lot. Um, it's really it's riveting reading. Not to make this interview about another book that you did not write, but if you can find a copy, it's riveting reading because it's basically all the stuff that now post me to and even pre me to. To be clear, you're like, oh my god, you were bragging that you convinced Alexander Pentage's jury that uh, Eunice Pringle was too athletic to be raped. Right. Oh, my God. What? Oh, yeah. so bad. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. yeah. It's just, yeah. But that's the thing that like people like us find riveting is this juxtaposition of Hollywood glamour and what their lives were actually like and mm -hmm. the cover-ups and the scandals and the murders. Yes. Ooh, nice tie in there. I see what you did there. <laughs> Yeah, I've been known to be a professional every once in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, so you cover so much ground and you end with Elizabeth Taylor, which is near and dear to my heart because yes. we will never have anyone like Elizabeth Taylor again. There's no. impossible. No, there will never be another. She was the definition of extra before we even had a word for that. And so <laughs> delighted in her extraness. Yes, yes. And such a zest for her own life. Just very, just energetic, beautiful, bright, human. I mean, 
God. And so unapologetic about who she was too. And there's just something about Elizabeth Taylor where you, you look at her life and it's just what you said is unapologetic and she did not yeah. shy away from public opinion. I mean, she was uh, erotic vagrancy. <laughs> right. She still kept getting married. Like she did yeah. not let anything stop her. No, she said, I'm Elizabeth Taylor. I'm going to do what I want to do. You're going to deal with it. <laughs> and it's, it's wild to think about how old was she when she made Cleopatra and met Burden? Like 30? Yeah. Yeah. Just over 30, I think. And then yeah. she has this whole other life in her, like what we would consider now to be like the prime of her life. But public perception for so long was that, you know, oh, old Elizabeth Taylor in the 80s, like doing TV movies. And you're like, she was 50. Right. She was fabulous too. Actually, I said over 30. I think she was under 30, just under 30 when she made Cleopatra and paid a million dollars. The first person to make that kind of money on one contract for then. Yes. I mean, that's incredible. I'm so, I was so pleased because I obviously went straight to table of contents to see who you deemed worthy of inclusion. <laughs> and yes. I was so happy to see that you ended with Elizabeth Taylor because it is such a palate cleanser after some of the other stories that you wrote about, which are uh, often grim and yes. often just murky and messy and especially mm -hmm. the silent stuff. And how wild oh that a hundred years later, we're still, we don't watch the movies, but we're still talking about William Desmond Taylor. Yeah. And still wondering what, what happened? <laughs> what happened there? So we're going to, I want to get into you and growing up in Los Angeles and how you ended up becoming obsessed with all of this stuff. But as a huge William Desmond Taylor fan, I wouldn't say fan, but sure. Uh, what, so there are two big theories espoused in two different books. There is, yes. uh, the 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 book um a cast of killers uh -huh, okay and then there's uh the new book william j mann's uh twilight and tinseltown that came yes. out just a few years ago yes uh so where so uh and uh king vidor's book uh posits that mary miles mentor's mother murdered william desmond taylor mm -hmm. and i guess this is going to be the william desmond taylor episode so a twofer Ooh, uh, yes. And William William J. Mann says that uh who is it? Um the Patricia actress, Palmer. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh confessed and he finds that more believable. So where do you fall in all of this? I don't know. I mean, I can't <laughs> I, I they're both so plausible. They both have such such pros and cons to them. I mean, a deathbed confession is so fascinating, so riveting, but I mean that whole story with Mary Miles Minter, Charlotte Shelby, all of that drama. I mean, even even if they had nothing to do with it, I mean, that is this whole, whole amazing story just on its own. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm so torn. How about you? Do you have one that you favor? I It might be because I read Cast of Killers so young. I was like 12 or mm -hmm. 13 because oh, my, nice. my entree was uh, Hollywood Babylon. Uh, a very yes. mischievous yes. uncle gave me a copy <laughs> and I got into old Hollywood. Oh my gosh, like, I just love that. Be careful with this book because some of the photos are, and I was like, oh, I see what you mean. Yes. Oh my gosh. But what a I great think, intro. Oh my God. Yeah. And then it's, you know, been 20 years of uh, reading that all of that is made up. Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. It was embellished quite a bit, but 
very tawdry and lurid read. Oh, yeah, you're. I'm sorry, Casey, you're gone. Andre, <gasps> no. <laughs> Casey, come back. <laughs> but how was your? What was your entree? I mean, you grew up in Los Angeles, so you were already mm. surrounded by all of it. Absolutely. I was surrounded by the stories here. My mom also, her youth was spent here as well. So she used to tell me about riding the trolleys down Broadway when that was still a thing and going out on the town, going to Clifton's, going and just, I loved, I loved it. I, yeah. it just absorbed me. And so I got into the history and really, okay, it really all started with a coffee table book that I found at Ross Dress for Less. And it was, yeah, (laughs) a discount coffee table book started it all for me. And it was a Marilyn Monroe book. And she really started it all for me. I was obsessed. I still am. There's just something about the way that these Hollywood professionals lived that Mm -hmm. I don't think is anyone is capable of doing now because social media is paparazzi and they were all so over the top and bigger than life. And uh, we'll never have another Ava Gardner. We'll never have another Joan Crawford. There aren't those kinds of lives to come from anymore. Right. In the same way. I think so too. And I think even now, just any of the stories back then, any of the stars, I mean, I mean, I don't think we're going to have that again, just because the window of social media is so wide. We're not going to have that mystery, that disconnect between who was the real Ava Gardner, who was the star perception. I mean, there's still that disconnect, but with social media, we see so much now of our stars and their daily lives. It's, it's hard to have that mystery anymore. So you cover a lot of ground in the book. How did you decide <laughs> what stories to include and what had to be left on the on the cutting room floor, as it were? Right. So I started with the classics, the stories that had first riveted me when I was young. And I wanted this to be kind of a primer, a little intro to Hollywood, if you will, a little old Hollywood 101. And I, I wanted to include the stories that had always fascinated me, like Lana Turner, Johnny Stompanato, um, the Errol Flynn stories, things that really show us kind of where we got the media that we have today, how this all kind of came to be. And I mean, it's very similar in a lot of ways today. So I, I really just wanted to pick stories that exemplified that, that disconnect between media, reality, or, ooh, excuse me, oh my gosh. I lost an AirPod between the media and the reality of the situation. We still have that today. So I really just wanted to kind of show how that came to be. Well, and one of the things that has come up in the last year is we did an episode about Joan Bennett and Mm -hmm. Walter Wanger and uh, her agent. And now Karina Longworth, everyone's Mm -hmm. godmother in terms of Hollywood podcasts. Uh, is doing an entire series for Vanity Fair about it. And it's so telling how little has changed. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty nuts, especially being out here in LA. I mean, these stories, I don't want to say they still happen all the time, but these things, I I don't know about people shooting each other in the crotch. I'm sure that still happens. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know. But a lot of really clandestine, weird, strange shocking Laura tawdry things happen here all the time 
Well, I mean, that's LA is my favorite place in the world. And I say that as a New Yorker of 20 years because it is so weird. And anytime I'm there and it starts to rain, I'm like, buckle up because things are about to get crazy. Oh, yeah. Things you can get feel weird it. here. You can feel that shift in the air. Yes. And I love it. It's beautiful. We had a day like that very recently over the past week. And yeah, you could feel it. It's a palpable shift for sure. So were there any stories that you just couldn't include uh, for whatever reason that you, uh, what, what, yeah. what did you not include? Yeah, unfortunately. So I ha- I left out the story of Georgette Bauerdorf. She was originally in my outline. I had totally planned to include the story just because I'm sure you've, you've seen how often the story gets linked to the Elizabeth Short case and the Black Dahlia and, and other murders of women that happened around that time, 1940s. So I wanted to include that just to show, you know, how many, how many women were disappearing in Hollywood in the 1940s. And ultimately I, I had to leave her story out because first of all, I mean, they were oil, an oil family and it wasn't super Hollywood, even though she was found in Hollywood. Um, but it just, it, it's, it sucks to say, but it's almost as if there wasn't enough there to really go in and write a whole story. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. Casey and I talk about this all the time where we will start research on something that we find riveting. And then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, that's a tweet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, I can't spin quite... this into half an hour. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't quite pan out that way. It could have been a tweet for sure. <laughs> Yeah, there, but her story is amazing. Sad. I mean, there's so many. I mean, your book could have been three times the size that it is because yeah. it's and what I find so interesting is I'm constantly going, oh, my God, can you please find something almost contemporary to talk about on this podcast? All of these things, like just to make the research easier. But right. there aren't scandals along those lines anymore. I mean, the army hammers accepted. Yeah, that was that was one. Who saw that coming? Like, <laughs> Army what a way to start a year. Baldwin. Hilaria Baldwin is the one <gasps> that I might actually do because it's that's Please old do. school Hollywood. Right? Please do. <laughs> oh my gosh, we need this. Oh my gosh! But there's just I, and doing the research, were you? Was there a moment where you're where you had the same thought of wow, this is really classic Hollywood heavy, or was that just always your goal to just do like, no, I want to zero in on these stories that really formed how I view old Hollywood myself. It was definitely the latter. I really wanted to, first of all, write something that I wanted to read. And even though, I mean, a lot of these stories are, are well known to people who study this, like you and I, and who, who love this kind of stuff. A lot of us already know these stories. I wanted to throw in some more details that I found along the way in my research. And I also, I just, I wanted to just, yeah, show how we got the media that we got today and how, how publicity departments were formed and how, you know, how there became a disconnect between what we were seeing on the screen and what we were seeing in the film, you know, magazines and what was actually going on in Hollywood. I I still have never seen Hail Caesar, the Coen Brothers movie, because they make Eddie Mannix the hero, and I'm like, no, oh, like that's interesting. That is a choice. 
he he used to beat up Mary Nolan quite a bit. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, it wasn't a good okay. guy. Yeah. Couldn't make up somebody. Ooh. Yeah, they could have they could have surely created a character. Ooh, that is a choice. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, you know what? Pre twenty sixteen. So you we know. Didn't know, we just didn't it know. A, it was a different time. <laughs> when you know better, well, you do better. <laughs> Doing the research to like add more details to these stories, were you surprised by anything that you found? Oh yes. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, yeah, like I said, these stories that I knew as since since childhood, you know, the Black Dahlia and and stories that I love. Yes, delving into the newspaper archives and and learning additional details, I was finding amazing little nuggets left and right, and it made me wish I had you know, been researching for this forever. <laughs> I love these. I love these stories. So, um, oh my gosh. Another one I had to leave out was the Christina Crawford and um, Joan Crawford story, which if there's a part two, I could see that being in that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to. We did, I don't know if you listened to it, but uh, we did an episode yes. about the publication. Yeah, And just the amount of... I, and of course, of course, Christina got backlash backlash for publishing this book, of course. Right. But the anger and the complete misperception of the book and her intentions mm-hmm. were what really stunned me uh, about a story that I knew extremely well. Like, I've read that book. I've read Joan Crawford books. God mm-hmm. knows I've seen the movie many times. I mean, it's a uh, staple. <laughs> please. Uh, I made my mother watch it with me on Mother's Day uh, when I was a child. Wow. Okay, a themed evening. Yeah. If you ever wonder what I was like as a child, uh, as my mother once said, it was like living with a middle-aged man under parole who was just waiting until he could strike out on his own. Wow. Love that. Yeah. You Very know, specific. We made it work. <laughs> we had fun. <laughs> we did. Uh, but I mean, there's just, there are so many stories like Christina Crawford where these and what I think is so riveting, and I think that you have a really good mix of these two, is some of the stories are, the people are famous because of the story. Mm-hmm. Like Fetty Arbuckle is still probably famous because of the rape trial. Right. And some of the, and some of, a lot of the scandals are major stars who now yeah. have this duality where it's Joan Crawford, the movie star, and it's also Mommy Dearest. And yes. you can have these two competing fandoms. Yeah fighting over her memory. And you see that a lot. And like you just mentioned, Fatty Arbuckle, he's a really contentious one. I mean, that is a very divisive case, even today. I think especially today. Oh, yeah. And just 100 years. The 100-year anniversary was just uh, the September. Yeah, Labor Day. And it's still a heated debate. Oh my gosh, the comments section on YouTube, let me just say, it is, <laughs> it is a crazy place. <laughs> Anytime that, that story is involved, it's intense. Well, and what you, do, what you do such a great job of is taking all, all of the things that have been written about Arbuckle, even the recent Room 1219, the, the great, mm-hmm. great book that came out mm-hmm. about really a deep dive into the case. Yeah. Uh, and you you um, transmute everything into something that's very readable, but also very even-handed. And you're not you're not espousing your own theories. You're very careful about like 
These are just the facts, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> that was difficult to do because I do have some thoughts. <laughs> of course, of course. And like, I'm sure like me, your thoughts change with, you know, every new thing that you read where you're like, well, oh, yeah. well, I don't know. Because mm-hmm. I mean, how telling that one of the major witnesses before the trial never testified mm-hmm. in that trial. Yeah. What does that mean? with a ticket home. Where did that come from? Who gave her the ticket? I don't know. I don't know. Not for us to there say. were no, and that is just a case where there are so many more questions, I think, than answers. And every new fact sometimes that comes up, it just brings more questions. And I don't know if we're ever gonna have clarity on on the story. There's some stories no. I think we're never gonna know. And that's what I always find so surprising. We still don't know who killed Elizabeth Short. I know. I know. And I don't think we ever will. No, I think I think that the that train has left the station. I think it's just <laughs> going to Yeah. And then what does that mean that this this horrific crime has fascinated us to the point where other equally horrific crimes are long forgotten? But mm-hmm. Elizabeth Short, like what is it about her that encapsulates that era of Hollywood? Yeah, it has held us. And I think with that one in particular, it was the media sensation that really, really cemented it into Hollywood history. I mean, like like we just mentioned earlier, there were tons of women who went missing and were killed in maybe not as brutal, but in pretty brutal ways during that time in the 40s. And the one we still think about is Elizabeth Short. We think about the other ones as maybe being connected to Elizabeth Short. That is how heavy that story is. Well, and I'm just, I could talk about, I could talk about each individual chapter with you for a full hour. (laughs) I'm not going going to make you tell me your opinions about any case except Paul Byrne. Paul Byrne, we have not gotten into, he's not someone who's extremely well known. Paul Byrne was a, a producer at MGM. He was married to Jean Harlow. Uh, mm-hmm. He was found dead in their home. Uh, some people said it was a suicide. Some people, because he was impotent, he left a very cryptic note that was immediately whisked away by MGM and then came to light. Uh, so no one really knows the circumstances around Paul Byrne's death. What do you think the deal do was? I, I think, oh my gosh, I hesitate to even <laughs> say this, but <laughs> I think MGM had a lot to do with the outcome of that story. I think MGM had just signed Gene Harlow in like the five, six months before this happened. Um, I think they were protecting their asset. And I'm not saying, you know, I think Gene Harlow pulled the trigger or anything like that. I, I don't think that is how they were protecting her. I think they were protecting her from potentially being implicated in a bigamy suit because there is that whole, you know, Paul Byrne had a life before he met Jean Harlow. Paul Byrne had a lady friend who he was taking care of for decades. And I really do think that Dorothy Millette came to California and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think MGM though, for sure was covering things up. It's just the thing that I love most about old Hollywood, and it makes it extremely difficult, in particular for you, I assume, 
to do any research is pre-internet, you could write anything and have it published and no one would mm -hmm. know the difference. Right. And you could have yeah. a wife on the other coast and just reinvent <laughs> yourself. Like William Desmond Taylor was married and nobody knew about it. Yes. A theme here, maybe? Hmm. <laughs> Manifest destiny, baby. Leave your life behind. Go to a new one. Hollywood, baby. <laughs> you can just reinvent yourself. Forget your old life. For real. It's crazy. Yeah, I think that's what happened. So are you, before we wrap up, are you, um, are there recent scandals that you're also fascinated by? Or are you, can anything even compete with the stuff that you've immersed yourself in over the last few years? Oh my gosh. Well, I think the nature of the Hollywood scandal today is so different than it was back then, just because I think we as the public at large have really kind of accepted, you know, our stars are going to be crazy. They're going to, they're going to go Robert Downey Jr. They're going to go do this. They're going to, you know, we know that we don't have the same perceptions that people did in the fifties where things were very bubblegum and looking very pure and cute and sweet and poppy. We know now we're more savvy. I think now I do think though, Honestly, I think the political scandal is the new Hollywood scandal today. It's it's exactly the same thing where these people mm -hmm. are behaving so abominably, but yeah. presenting a completely different face to the public. Yeah, that's where the shock comes from now. I don't think we're shocked by Hollywood scandals anymore. Although, mm, the past few years have really shown us there's there's a lot more to Hollywood still that that the public at large is not privy to. So it's this double-edged sword, you know, there's, there's, there's still stuff in Hollywood, maybe not to the extent before, but yeah. <laughs> still well, I think, I think about the one that shocked me. I mean, Army Hammer accepted because cannibal, once you bring cannibalism <laughs> into the chat, like all bets are off, <laughs> but uh, the free Britney, the fact that they were right all along yes. and she was yes. like, the coded messages in her Instagram. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I still don't know what to make of that. I I was such a I'm no. such a Britney fan. I don't even. Ah, uh, that was amazing. And what a triumph, right? I mean, we're seeing progress come of this yes. because of the fans. Yes. Just being Almost watchful. Stands stands did something positive rather than destroying <laughs> someone. Good job. I mean guys. It was about time. And who better? Who better but Brittany? <laughs> she deserves it. She really does. I think my version of Hollywood Scandals Now is not the scandal, but is the rehabilitation afterwards. And who gets rehabbed and who doesn't. And you mentioned Robert Downey Jr. And look at his career now. And that is unimaginable oh, yeah. when he joined Ally McBeal. <laughs> and then right. look at Sean Young. Sean Young, and I say this all the time, if Sean Young were Bill Murray, still worshipped. <laughs> because she didn't do anything crazier than Bill Murray, like, showing up at somebody's wedding and, like, partying with strangers. <laughs> but Sean Young, for whatever reason, has never had a chance to, like, be rehabilitated or have the comeback that she is deserving of. And I just, that's, that's what I find riveting about Hollywood now is who we give the second chances to and who we don't. 
That's a really interesting point. And I guess it kind of goes back to who has the publicity teams. I mean, who's who's uh-huh. got the people working for them to help with that rehabilitation? Yeah. It's fascinating. So maybe book three. Maybe that's your book three. Yes. <laughs> no, collab. That was your idea for okay. sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, can I just have my name on it and you do all the work? I will absolutely do all the work. Great. Group project. I look forward to not collaborating together. Perfect. Okay. Your name will look so good on the cover. <laughs> I'm so happy that you joined me today. This was so much fun. As soon as I saw the book was coming out, I was like, I have to talk to this woman. Oh and my gosh. I'm so delighted that uh, you were able to talk to me today and that you came on my weird podcast to talk about Hollywood scandals. What could be better for a Saturday afternoon? Thank you. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be here. Love your show. I'm so pleased. Thank you. Thank you for the book, for joining me. Uh, Guys, the book is out November 1st. Uh, Pick up a copy wherever you get books. Uh, Supply chain problems. I don't know. I hear about it on the news. I read headlines. I don't go beyond that. Because uh, as we know, headlines are the entire story, right? Yeah, tell us everything. Just skip yeah. them. So, good. <laughs> uh, but get Hollywood Horrors wherever you can get books because it is a very fun read. Uh, and then now I have to really pick and choose my scandals because you've already covered them brilliantly. So thank you for upping the stakes <laughs> for you. me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm always happy to be back if you ever need any backup. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Casey, better watch out. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening and watching. Thank you.